have such sights to show you. Popping a scary horror podcast here. I'm your host Colin. With me, as always, I have my good friend and co-host Aaron. Aaron, hey, how's the holiday season going for you, bud? Pretty good. I can't complain. All right, that's that's a good place to be at, man. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Holidays. Yes, I I know we are just pretty much getting closer to uh, Christmas since uh, Thanksgiving has already wrapped up and everything. Mm -hmm. But it ain't going to stop us from visiting uh, one last relative in the uh, Universal Monster fam. And that, yeah. of course, is the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. So, Aaron, uh, please uh, tell uh, me and the audience about mm-hmm. your prior experience, memories, anything mm. to do with the Invisible Man, the mythos, the everything Invisible- like that. I actually have a funny story about the Invisible Man. In high school, junior year of my high school year, one of my summer reading assignments was Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. No, not you too. <laughs> not you, you too. I was you... going to tell that story. <laughs> did you do the same thing? I, I did. didn't. I. I. So like, oh my gosh. I fortunately. Okay. I fortunately I didn't have like uh, experience with that or mm-hmm. anything like that. I was actually going like I, I like I'm not kidding you. I pulled it up just to show that I was going to talk about it there. That's so funny. <laughs> because I had the same mistake as well, because whenever I was getting really into it, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh, they have a book for the Invisible Man. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out, I'm going to let you carry the rest of the story, but <laughs> this is a, this is a definitely, a, I've been there, bud. Yes, yes. So Ralph Ellison's <laughs> classic Invisible Man is about, you know, the experience of being a black man in America. It is definitely literature, and it's definitely something that they make you read in high school. What I picked up that summer was The Invisible Man. Uh, it's this different novel about a guy that turns himself invisible. I didn't realize my mistake until I was probably a good third of the way through the book, and I had to put it down and then pick up The Invisible Man. So I don't, I don't know how closely this movie follows the H.G. Uh, Wells book. Is it H.G. Wells? I think? Yes. Was it? Yeah, that yeah. wrote Invisi- The Invisible Man. Um, but yes, I, I remember at least the sequence because it's like pretty close to the beginning where he turns himself invisible and I was like, oh, this, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be one of my favorite books for this class. But no, I ended up all re- really enjoying Ralph Ellison's version. It has nothing to do with the guy that turns himself invisible though. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's that's my experience with the Invisible Man. That and, you know, like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or whatever. I think he's one of the oh, people in there. But. Yes, that that's one of the people for sure. Yeah. <laughs> in that um, movie adaptation of um, Alan Moore's uh, comic book mm-hmm. story there. Boy, that's a scary movie itself. <laughs> and not for reasons you think. It's been a long time since I've seen this. I really don't remember. I've only ever it. seen the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen once. And it's one of those things that looking back at it now i don't think i would like it oh, at yeah. all but at the time it's like one of those things that whenever i was less of a critic mm-hmm. like back whenever i was less jaded about films <laughs> that i was like huh okay that, that was like like my view <laughs> then but now it'd probably be a lot more harsh i don't know Maybe if they release the 4K edition, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> show those sweet early 2000 CGI graphics. Oh yeah, you know Sean Connery actually <laughs> said that's like his most hated film of all time. <laughs> really, that he's in? Or yeah, that... like well, uh, to be fair, I I can't remember if it was that or Highlander too, but I know he's. That's what it was. He said League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a film that made him retire. That's so funny. Where he's just like, I'm done filming these shitty films. <laughs> Doing that. Um, yeah, but it is funny that you had a similar experience with the book. Fortunately, I didn't have it for a class project. This was just me like being curious about like, oh, these universal monsters are based off of old novels. You know, mm-hmm. like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um Frankenstein by uh, Mary Shelley and everything. So whenever I looked it up, I was like, Invisible Man. Okay, here we go. That doesn't sound like the plot to the Invisible Man. It has nothing this to do with this Invisible is Man. way different than the movie, yeah. <laughs> this, is just, this just sounds like a significant cultural piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, whenever it comes to the idea of the Invisible Man, um, I've always been hit or miss with it. I feel like uh, there's been, I mean, I guess it's just with any monster interpretation, good interpretations, bad interpretations of it, even though it is a simple concept, it's just somebody that's invisible mm -hmm. and everything. But um, I was always like, okay, Invisible Man, cool. But I never really thought beyond that about why he's invisible or mm -hmm. anything else. I just always kind of assumed it was sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde situation where yeah. it was just like, oh, dude just messed with science and turned invisible. How about that? How about like that, that? That was just my base consensus. And it wasn't until years and years and years later till I finally watched it. Because whenever I was on my Universal Monster High, uh, Invisible Man is definitely one that kind of takes more of a backseat, especially when compared to Dracula and Frankenstein kind of being the two biggies of the Universal Monster fam. Mm -hmm. So... I've actually seen this film once, and I will reserve my overall thoughts about it until we uh, watch it for a review. Mm -hmm. But um, no, it, it, it does make me lose my marbles that we both made the same <laughs> mistake whenever it came to looking up the book. They're very identical titles, but very different different stories yes well well let's just see how uh, different those stories are whenever we watch uh the invisible man so uh stay tuned <laughs> you're crazy to know who i am aren't you all right i'll show you i'll show you who i am and what i am <laughs> And we are back from watching The Invisible Man. Or should I say, not being able to watch, you know, because he's invisible. <laughs> that guy, that goofy, goofy guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aaron, uh, initial uh, thoughts and uh, tidbits about The Invisible Man. That was a sillier movie than I expected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that was one of the first things that slapped me across the face when I first watched it. I'm like, oh, Okay, <laughs> especially because uh, the director is uh, James Whale, who uh, directed uh, Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is not a very silly movie. No, it's it's not, but it is funny because if you talk about him, he kind of had the same mentality as uh, Toby Hooper did about his own Texas Chainsaw Massacre films, where he mm. saw a lot of humor in mm. it, which is why uh, we haven't watched it yet in The Bride of Frankenstein, the sequel to Frankenstein. It definitely has a lot more laughs in everything, uh, so... Yeah, it is uh, definitely funny because this came out two years after Frankenstein's uh, and uh, the, the silliness factor is definitely like an 11 in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every police officer is just like the the most goofy Bobby you could imagine. Just like, oi, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> what's all this in, you invisible man? Never heard such a thing. Um... Yeah, yeah, and God, and God, the, the the barkeep at the beginning, the like the the barkeep's wife or whatever. Who yes. How are you then? Just, <laughs> just the most shrill, obnoxious woman. <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, James Well really loved the uh, actress who uh, played her. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, she thought he thought that uh, she was hysterical <laughs> because she's in Bride of Frankenstein. So stay uh, tuned for that. They definitely included probably a few more clips of her than I would have. I think there's one part where it's just her like wailing over her husband being injured by the Invisible Man, just like ah! oh! Oh! For, for just way longer than should have been on camera, but. So, yeah, um, goofy, 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 Very goofy film. Movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> An extremely goofy movie. A movie. <laughs> A goofy movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was my thing as well, especially with, like, how relatively serious the previous Universal Monster films have been. Like, mm -hmm. even um, though there were some goofy moments in The Wolfman, mm -hmm. this, like, just said, hold my beer. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever it came to it, but uh, we'll see if ultimately that ends up being a good thing for you or a uh, not so good thing mm. for you towards uh, the end once we get into uh, more of the finer details of the film. Mm -hmm. um, so general plot of The Invisible Man is that it focuses on the uh, disappearance of this scientist named uh, Jack Griffin, who is played uh, by Claude Rains, which he was actually in the last film we watched. Mm. He was Larry Talbot's dad. 
Hmm, okay. Yeah, uh, which it's very funny because they're very two different characters. Yes, yeah. Here, whereas uh, Claude Rains in the first one, is, well, first one, in The Wolfman is very serious, grounded, matter-of-fact, almost to the point of pure ignorance. Um, this one, he is determined to the point of insanity mm. uh, to make his uh, point across about his uh, goals and ambitions mm -hmm. there. But uh, he's gone, and so his uh, friends, including his uh, fiance, are concerned about his well-being as they try to locate him. Meanwhile, we just uh, get a slice of his uh, current life of what he's doing as uh, the Invisible Man. Mm -hmm. Um, and from there, uh, his friends are struggling as to how to help him out. And all the audience can do is wait and see how far, uh, Jack Griffin goes with his, uh, insanity and his, uh, insane experiment overall. Mm -hmm. Um, plot wise, I think it's like very good. And I, I feel like James Whale really enjoys the has science gone too far aspect there. Cause yeah. I mean, that was the aspect of Frankenstein is like basically humans basically creating life, which is not a normal thing. Most people can do right. just talk about the barriers of science. Now, granted the profound message of Frankenstein, I wouldn't say he is very much in this <laughs> film. Right. It's definitely more in exchange for laughs than anything. But uh, it does give uh, Claude Rains uh, a lot to work with. Like, he is grandiose as all get out. Like, he, the way he gravels his voice and projects it whenever he talks about his insane ideas and everything mm -hmm. um, definitely makes it a fun platform. But whenever it comes to the actually sobering realization of what he's done, he really doesn't get any of that. He's like full steam ahead on the cray cray train. Right, right. Because science demands it, you know. Yeah. And I think for a film like this is probably just fine that he's just full steam ahead as opposed to yeah. trying to play it seriously since they shoehorn so many jokes, not even just around him, just with the characters in general. Mm-hmm there mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely uh, uh they they gotta make him a little bit of a mad scientist to make him the villain you know these are universal monster movies you know and he's got to be a monster somehow and it's because there's a dedication to science and also a few murders um along the way so. <laughs> just a few murders <laughs> gotta make an omelet by cranking a few eggs you know um but i feel like um plot point it's perfectly straightforward just mad scientist going too far with his experiment mm -hmm. it's it's a good synopsis yeah mm -hmm. i honestly felt like and this is a, we'll dive a little bit more into when we get the criticism parts but i honestly felt like this plot was maybe a little too simple just because of the other things that were in this movie were also pretty simple you know what i mean like i feel like the simple plot could work if it was like ah and the invisible man is really cool but also it sort of stopped at like I'm invisible. <laughs> yeah, and then he and then he didn't even he didn't even go in any girls' locker rooms. He didn't. You really scratched the surface of what you could do as an invisible man. I, I think For me personally, I I would definitely agree with that because like while I will say I do enjoy this film uh quite a bit, mm -hmm. um I definitely feel like it is the least plot driven it feels like more of an excuse to mm -hmm. show off the effects which mind you are freaking incredible especially oh, yeah. for 1933 for, for that time yeah they look really good i yeah. was expecting i was like how are they gonna pull this off because i was like surely they're not green screened in 1933 but they must have been doing something to achieve some of those invisible effects supposedly what they had to do is that frame by frame they had to remove uh, Claude Rains anytime he unraveled certain oh. stuff. So it was just like literally just editing frame by frame. Wow, that sounds tedious. Yes, it was very tedious there, uh, so, which is why it's... I'm, I know we're in the character section as mm -hmm. it is, but, you know, it's a podcast, we jump around. But the effects, yeah, definitely incredible just how much of it. It's not even just like a, 
oh, you get to see him turn invisible once. No, you get to see him invisible multiple times throughout yeah, the film. And so, I was really thinking they might cheap out on that aspect because it would be so difficult to achieve mm-hmm. those sorts of effects in the 30s. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they didn't they didn't lean too heavily on the fully bandaged form of him or whatever. He's invisible mm-hmm. a lot of the time, which which is great because you're here to see a movie about an invisible man so. yeah I, w- I would definitely say so because even like admittedly even though i do like the wolf man there isn't a lot of the transformation mm-hmm. that you do get to see uh and it, it's funny that this film came out in 1933 and you're seeing them do a lot more of these crazy effects mm-hmm. now granted that's why i feel like plot wise there's not as heavy like such a deep heavy plot going on right because the gags they have going on and on uh definitely kind of pause the story it's like oh look at the shenanigans going around there which don't like you would think that would be a bad thing it's not necessarily a bad thing uh for the story that they wrote it's just the story ends up suffering uh well the story i guess technically doesn't suffer because the story makes room for the gags it's just the story stretched out so thin right i don't agree with that i think the story leaves plenty of room for whatever they want to do writing wise in the Mm -hmm. department for the plot it's just it ends up being so simple for me and then they didn't add in a whole lot of like super compelling engaging stuff to like maybe i'm just like marvel movie pilled or something like <laughs> why isn't he like robbing the bank or like why i need to, i wanted some cool overall like yes i'm invisible check out my great power and he does that he does that but his great power is like i'm gonna take your head off and throw it in the river you know like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is it's it's just like a teenager yeah, or yeah. something or like a little kid for as much like mad scientist talk as he does i just wanted to see some more action you know I mean? <laughs> yeah that's totally fair uh how did you uh feel how claude rains did in this film mm-hmm. uh, with his performance pieces his monologues how was he as a character yeah so he i mean mm-hmm. so just to be clear that's him completely bandaged up and everything too as the mm-hmm. actor and then also him just like when he's just projecting his voice in and they're doing special effects right that's all mm-hmm. right yes um i mean i thought he did a pretty decent job of being like the mad scientist um i love his little cackles he's doing whenever he's doing so good <laughs> He's like mm-hmm. a little goblin. Mm-hmm. And as somebody that just rewatched the the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, I just I love <laughs> I love the green goblins just cackles, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny that you mentioned superheroes cuz mm-hmm. Mark Hamill specifically referenced Claude Rains as an inspiration for the Joker voice he did. Oh, really? That makes sense. I can see it. Yeah, yeah he he said um you can actually see him um doing like an impression of Claude Rains where he says like I'll show you something that's crazy, <laughs> you know. Yes. Uh, but he did it in the, you know, Mark Hamill Joker style mm-hmm. voice. But he said Claude Rains was one of the biggest inspirations for his voice finding the Joker for the animated series. So mm-hmm. that's funny that you mentioned that the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I, I would definitely agree. I think like Claude Rains is very good at being menacing, like yeah. with his gravelly voice. And again, he's not a very tall person, no. as we saw in the Wolfman, especially compared to. Again, uh, what was he like? Five foot eight versus six foot two, whatever, mm-hmm. like that. He's not a very tall person, but yet he has a very commanding voice, yeah. which you know probably is the reason why he got casted as Invisible Man because you're not going to see him sure. at all there. Right. And so whenever it came to it, he definitely had a sense of menacing as well as insanity purely laced in, especially whenever he goes invisible and he does that cackle and he's just making these dumb jokes throughout the entire film and singing nursery rhymes and everything it's Mm -hmm. so goofy but at the same point yeah i do like him Mm -hmm. silly as a villain you know and Mm -hmm. i and i don't even mind all the other people being silly too but i think it Mm -hmm. makes the most sense for him because for him he really does think he's just above all these people and he could just toy with them and so that's what he's doing and i did like that aspect but Mm -hmm. i did also like that they mentioned that um it's not just him but also just the experiment he tried on himself Mm -hmm. containing a drug that actually makes people go insane right and so they are like yeah he's 
probably going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs right now. Right, right, um, as a side effect. Like, yes, he's invisible, but also his brain is melting, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think they did a really good job with the design of the Invisible Man. I mean, this is kind of like one of, I believe, one of the first representations of the Invisible Man mm-hmm. on film. And for a first representation, it's honestly pretty dadgum perfect. I love the bandages yeah. wrapped around. Even at the beginning where you see tufts of hair, which turns out to be like a wig oh. later and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that first initial craze design there as well as the suave design like the smoking jacket mm-hmm. and the little sachet wrapped his around his waist striped pajamas <laughs> dude it's so good um it's just it's definitely good and it doesn't feel like it's cheapening out either because a they do the effect multiple times showing him take the bandages off how he moves around invisible uh, whereas a lot of films, like, to save money and time, they definitely would have just kept them in the bandages 24-7. Maybe if you're lucky, you get one last reveal, like, oh, he's mm-hmm. escaping towards the end of the film, something like that. So, um, definitely, I think Claude Rains was a perfect fit for this role and definitely brings a lot of gravitas and grandiose to the role. Right. Um, which, um, unfortunately, compared to uh, most of the characters you'll see in the film, he's definitely kind of the titular character. The one that they put all the eggs in a basket with because it's like, yeah, Claude could carry this. Yeah, yeah. He could go all the way through. Uh, I... I... <laughs> Um, there's definitely, um, cast of characters we can talk about there. Obviously, uh, Dr. Jack Griffin, mm-hmm. um, that we talked about is good. Um, we could talk about other characters, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be like, yeah, let's just fire them off. down. They're not, they're so, not super um, memorable. Yeah. But... And there is the love interest, Flora Cranley, mm-hmm. uh, played by Gloria Stewart, which fun fact, she's, uh, old Rose in Titanic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a very much younger (laughs) version of her, and um, she does perfectly fine in this film, but again, it's kind of given sort of the same role. I will admit, I feel like it's a little less shameful in this film, Mm -hmm. maybe just because in The Wolfman previously, um, the love interest was so quick to flip-flop and everything, it didn't have a ground to stand, whereas with her, she's constantly worried about him and just has a moment of like, you guys aren't going to be able to convince him. Leave me in a room to talk with him, and mm-hmm. I'll try to talk him down right. to it. So at least they give her character a little more to work with, but it is, again, an unfortunate circumstance that's like, okay, you care about this character, you don't want him to turn, but then you're not left with a lot of emotional weight. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the 30s. This film doesn't exactly pass the Bechdel test. But, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so yeah. her whole point is that mm-hmm. she... Loves him and is also the daughter of the main scientist dude that employs the Invisible Man. Yes, uh, uh, Doctor Cranley. Doctor Cranley, yes, who is Exposition Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's basically there to just be like, oh no, we must do this in the morning. Oh yes, he disappeared a fortnight ago or whatever. Yeah, he's just like, oh, this is the experiment he was messing around with. Uh, Only a rough draft, the drug. <laughs> this drug I remember reading, and he wouldn't have read this because it was in German. That's an important detail, I guess. And it came out later, just recently. Right, so yeah. he doesn't know that this drug is driving him insane, but I do, camera. So J- now James- you know, audience. <laughs> James Whale, just make it sure. <laughs> and that's loophole is sealed. <laughs> Tie that yes. bow. Yeah, doing that. Um, definitely just one of those things where um, the actor who plays uh, Dr. Cranley, um, Henry Travers, just kind of given more exposition mm-hmm. reasoning and everything. Uh, I feel like the only other character that you get to focus on a lot is uh, his associate, mm-hmm. Dr. Arthur Kemp, paid by uh, William Harrigan. Kemp. Uh, and he... <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I feel like, again, Kemp is a good character, just basically practically being held hostage yeah yeah no he, go... he, he i love kind of love kent like he I, I don't i feel like he doesn't get a lot of agency as like an actor in the role because he's just literally like not literally held a gunpoint but essentially held a gunpoint like all right you're my assistant to take over the world or i'll kill you <laughs> so he's just like constantly i love some of the scenes where he's like being directed by the invisible man do this do that and like <laughs> He's like, no, don't look at me. (laughs) And he has to, like, pretend there's somebody there. I I feel like in those moments, yeah, he was pretty fantastic. But in many of the other moments, he's just like, 
I'm another man that talks like this in the 30s movie, you know? Like, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I think, like, it's more of the idea of, like, the idea of a character like this being stuck that great, as opposed mm-hmm. to the actual character true. himself. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like Dr. Kemp is good in the sense that he's just terrified the entire time. Like, yeah. he is yeah. mortified to the point where... Um, he he's going against the advice of others and he's like you know oh to hell with you guys i'm getting the hell out of here sort of mentality yeah yeah he's been held hostage by this invisible man who he already kind of they they set up some negative feelings about (laughs) he's like he's trying to steal his girl basically in the beginning of the movie Uh, he's pretty dadgum straightforward as well (laughs) yeah yeah he does not miss a beat he's like all right he's been missing for a month now he doesn't like you let me tell you my feelings Yes, do that. <laughs> Tries to swoop in. Um, but yeah, it definitely it makes it fun is because like you mentioned, it's like um, you know, the character uh Dr. Griffin and everything talking to him, he's like, Now you listen here and you'll do exactly what I tell you to do. Like mm-hmm. and he's just rocking in an invisible chair holding a cigarette I invisible. Love that. Yeah, I love that they like there's so many ideas of what how you'd want to portray the invisible man and i'm mm. glad they didn't leave a lot on the cutting room floor because like yeah of course he's got to smoke a cigarette while he's invincible mm-hmm. of course he's got to you know carry this book around of course he's got to just run with nothing but pants on you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think james whale you could tell he just had a lot of fun making mm-hmm. this film and you know it's like good for him and everything um because it just seemed like he was a dude that just wanted to have fun in life, from oh, what yeah. I've understood about his uh, personal life. Um, but, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. It just sets up a fun dynamic. And while I do agree they don't go as far as, like, man, what can you do with the Invisible Man and everything? Mm-hmm. I do feel like they do at least exercise some stuff of, like, oh, like, what's a visual thing that would look really cool? Yeah, they do. And I feel mm-hmm. like they focus more on the visual aspect than they do the actual, like, big galaxy brain moment. Right, like the actual plot points of, like, yeah. Because overall... All of this kind of takes place more or less in random, you know, England town or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, ah, man, he talks a great deal about what the, the, the power he has could do. But then we just don't get to see it on film. But. Yeah, for sure. Um, And pretty much the only other people aside from the entire dadgum uh, police force right. in the film um, is the uh, Halls who run the bar, uh, mm-hmm. Jenny and Herbert Hall, which uh, Una O'Connor is the one that gave that lovely shrieking performance <laughs> there. Good on her. Got quite some pipes. Yeah, yeah. She is definitely someone that, like, the shrieking... You're either going to love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. There is no in between because it's very shrill and loud and constant. Yeah, yeah. And even then, she's she's either bossing or screaming. That's like her two modes there. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, "Mama, I need to bring out the bastard." <laughs> now I've got to bring the mustard to him, and he said he wanted to be left alone. Yeah, <laughs> she'll scream at like important stuff, like her husband bleeding mm-hmm. to death down at the bottom of the stairs. But she'll also scream like whenever. Um, <laughs> the invisible man slams the door where he's like, I thought I told you to stay out of my room. Yeah. You know, and slams the door. She's like, ah! <laughs> she just like drops a... the teapot and runs down the stairs with her arms. Just like, her head, looney... like... <laughs> just like a looney, just like a looney tunes character. It is very cartoony. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think that just, that works in this film because yeah. of how insane it is. Um, granted, not everybody is absolutely insane, but mm. again, whenever we have the baffling police force, you yeah. know, they, cause no joke, like you, you may think Aaron is like, just like doing a stereotype. Mm-hmm. No, they literally go, who wants all this? Who in? All this? <laughs> yeah. They found the, like the most chinless mustache man to play the Bobby. He's just like. He's just actively sucking his chin in, like, all right, then, what's uh, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I, I believe that was E.E. Uh, e. Clive playing Constable Jaffers. Mm-hmm. I would have never guessed that. Thank you, IMDb. <laughs> um, but it just legit was like, what's all this, then? All right, some kids <laughs> playing another joke on me. Oh, it's so good. Um but yeah, and then even um, going back to uh, Jenny Hall, um, having Herbert Hall, 
Again, he, he's just kind of like the yes, dear sort of right. person just going along with mm-hmm. it there. Um, and that's about it. Because then you have the rest of the characters just kind of responding to the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. But I will give an extra, like, oh, man, I did I forgot he was in this film. Uh, Dwight Fry is one of the reporters at the end, oh. which he played. Uh, Fritz is from Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Renfield is Dracula. Okay. Okay. Yes, so he, is, he, he was there. He was the one that was asking the questions to the constable there as mm-hmm. the reporter with the hat and glasses on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like, oh, that's cool. He's acting completely normal in this role. (laughs) (laughs) And not like a weird little goblin. Yes, for sure. But that's just a fun little Easter egg thing I pointed out. Like, you know, Leo meme pointing there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, talking about characters and everything, um, definitely, uh, I I, I do want to hit at home. The special effects in this film are crazy. Like, because yeah. they go all out, not only with the Invisible Man, but just, like, stunts in general. And mm-hmm. just the amount of mayhem and havoc that's caused and the practical effects are shown. Some of it is, like, a little cheesy, but, I mean, yeah. still for the time, it it's pretty dadgum good. Right. Like, because this film is um, eight, uh, 90 years old. Yeah. It's 90 years old. And so just being able to do stuff like that... I'm just like, man, that just still looks super good. It's just one of those things where you appreciate it. Um, whether it's like the Invisible Man holding uh, items in the air, which is like simple, like, oh yeah, that's wire, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Or like bicycles, or again, like we mentioned, he runs around in like trousers. Yeah, just pants at one point. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely times where you can like see through his uh mm-hmm. through his hat and his bandages and mm-hmm. into the other side yeah they did they did a bit mm-hmm. where he's riding a bike so there's just a state bike standing straight up running <laughs> yeah. you can and you can see sort of the seams and the smoke and mirrors in some points um but for a lot of it it is still pretty seamless which is impressive but. Mm-hmm. yeah and i was honestly kind of surprised how much mayhem they allowed to happen in this film mm-hmm. i think out of all the universal monster films this might be the most chaos caused by one of the monsters oh yeah yeah and that was like sort of his goal almost in some parts is like i'm gonna get the word out that the ears an invisible man and it's a powerful thing so that eventually i can take over the world like there's a point where the you know one of the police officers is like oh well this is all a hoax and then he like messes with the police officer just to be like it's not a hoax i'm right here ha ha <laughs> <laughs> like he wants to be known so yeah uh, and that's like the fun thing that um they went down the route of he's just absolutely insane versus you know big mastermind making people believe that this is all an illusion or something that he's mm-hmm. actually not there but instead he wants to be known that he's there he wants people to be like fearing for their lives there and because his whole goal is to uh sell the experiment to mm-hmm. uh whatever yeah, whatever nation c- has yeah. the highest bid so he can be mm-hmm. filthy rich and then nations fight each other with invisible armies and yeah yeah so he has big ambition surprisingly it's not just complete uh mindless mayhem but there is some mindless mayhem yeah, <laughs> along yeah, with yeah. the intentional mayhem right what we end up seeing in the movie is mostly mind is mostly mindless <laughs> yeah. mayhem. or i guess mayhem to create a buzz but it doesn't actually mean anything he just he kills a lot of innocent people honestly <laughs> <laughs> that aren't doing anything to him <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah and um i will say not a lot of music it's kind of like you know the older universal monster films where they don't have music blasting it's not like uh, the wolfman where like music was constantly mm-hmm. on blast there it's definitely more quiet but I feel like it works well for the Invisible Man because you it allows you to hear like the creaks of floorboards mm-hmm. there moving around. Definitely just kind of important for sound and everything. So um, I definitely don't feel like it's a bad thing that they don't have it there. Um, I know we're kind of getting towards the end of the line before we can uh, really get into spoilers there. But is there any other aspects you did want to talk about uh, with the Invisible Man before jumping into spoilers? Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty straightforward movie, honestly. It's not too long either, is it? It's Mm-mm. really... I think it's an hour and a half, half long. Hour. Yeah, so, uh, just keeps it right at that, like, 90 minute mark. Yeah. 
unfortunately with you know i mean the special effects are probably the biggest thing to talk about because i don't mm-hmm. think and we've, mm-hmm. we've talked so much about them just but i don't mm-hmm. unfortunately i don't think there's a lot else in this movie that really wowed me um mm-hmm. besides the special effects okay. and the, the surprise i had at how goofy it is but. yeah oh and i was uh 19 minutes uh too long it's an hour 11 minutes okay that's why right. i so, pretty yeah. short yeah yeah pretty short overall there um but yeah so i guess we'll just jump right into the uh, ratings we have for Whee! the invisible man so uh please Aaron, uh, take it away. I'll keep it short and sweet, just like the movie, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is like a 5 out of 10 for me. Is, oh. uh, I give it a lot of props for, yeah, the special effects standing so much the test of time. I do like the actual Invisible Man himself, um, and I, I appreciate some of the goofy, gaffy parts of this. Unfortunately, I feel like there's not a lot of substance to the style. Um, I felt like the plot overall was mostly driven by the intrigue of the Invisible Man and not that necessarily that interesting of a plot overall. And um, most of the characters besides the actual Invisible Man, who you don't even really get to see half the time, you know, you just hear him talking, um, are are not as interesting as the main character. So for that reason, it's like a flat five for me. But yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So uh, the real question is, um, does this mean you enjoyed Invisible Man more than The Invisible Man? Um, uh, yeah, I guess as far as book, I never did <laughs> finish the book, <laughs> The Invisible Man. So I can't say anything about H.G. Wells' full book because I never finished it, even though I didn't mm. enjoy the quarter of it yeah. I read. Um. But oh, I was talking about Invisible Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, comparing oh, comparing that to Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, I mean that's that's a masterpiece. I mean, <laughs> I, that was like literally my favorite book in high school and for Ooh. most of college, I think, until I expanded my reading palette a little bit. But I I love that book. Yeah. I was like, this is wow. This is blowing little. Well, I was probably like eight, sixteen when I read that. Mm-hmm. Blew my sixteen year old brain. <laughs> Well, you know, you'll you'll get them next time, James Whale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. If there was a, I'm sure if they tried to do a film adaptation of Invisible Man in 1933, it would probably be really bad. So I would probably like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James Whale, for not trying to adapt Invisible Man. I don't think it was written yet in in 33. Maybe it was, but uh, it probably wouldn't have handled it with a lot of tact. No, definitely not. Definitely uh, save it for later for an adaptation. Um, Okay, so with me, it's kind of funny because I went through some similar motions whenever I watched the film that I was expecting something really grounded and everything. But then as soon as, like, the cheese came out and everything, Mm -hmm. it kind of, it didn't detract me too much. It didn't, like, push me away, but it was definitely like, oh, well, that was silly, wasn't it? (laughs) Well, that was, like, kind of goofy. But watching it the second time and knowing, okay, this film is going to be silly, it just made me appreciate the silly moments more since I was prepared for it and everything. Mm -hmm. So in that, like, I, I, I can't keep trying to throw this up here but i know and who knows maybe talking about the plot it could go down like wolfman did from its eight to seven point five this one's an eight for me as well mm-hmm. um i just think it's fun i will say the slower moments like initially whenever i did watch it i rated it a seven and i thought about coming at it with a 7.5 which maybe that's where it actually should be but i don't know i just i had a good time and just i was watching like man trying to really look at the effects and even know you ever watch those behind the scenes things how they show how the effects are done and you're still just like yeah i'm just amazed by it like Mm -hmm. your your brain still can't comprehend how they did it it's it's kind of like to that level for me with a lot of stuff because i i love learning how people make movies and everything especially with special effects whether it's like a you know, one of the ones I rewatched recently is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And even though I know exactly every step they did to make it, I still get lost in it every time I yeah. watched it. It kind of has that effect on me as mm-hmm. well because it's it's so freaking good, the effects. And Claude Rains is just a fun person. Uh, I honestly just had a lot more fun and especially kind of picking up a lot of the very dark tones this film True. played in jest. So it just... 
it just made it a very fun film and it's actually my wife's favorite universal monster film she's wow. like i love this film a ton uh it's it's her favorite one just because again she enjoyed the silliness and goofiness of mm-hmm. it there so for me it's definitely one uh people should watch now granted if you're expecting like a deep serious dramatic gothic interpretation if you haven't caught on by now this isn't it right this is not it but if you're looking for something just fun uh, with a little bit of darkness sprinkled in there, uh, but mostly just lots of cheese and goofiness, uh, you're going to have a great time, I think. Uh, Def- definitely a good one to play at at parties, I think, for absolutely. sure. And Especially, also mm-hmm. one that, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, go, saying, go. I know yeah. there's a horror movie podcast called Poppin' the Scary. I'll say this: the scary score on this one's like a 0 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. It is not remotely scary at all. It's just, you know, it's got some darker themes, and it's uh, he's just kind of spooky monster guy uh in some sense but um yeah even like the wolf man's scarier than this like, there's no, yes there's nothing there's no jump scares there's no like there's no, nothing even relatively like mm-hmm. super suspenseful like ooh, it's just like yeah it's just the, the guy's invisible man <laughs> yeah he'd he be killing but half the time he's killing it's funny <laughs> <laughs> yes that is <laughs> accurate uh it is funny because it does kind of like it is interesting yeah it's really not a scary film it's one of the least scary films we watch on this podcast mm-hmm. but there is definitely some dark moments yes. of like oh yeah. my god right. just <laughs> did that. Okay. like especially for 33 and yeah. everything you're yeah. like okay yeah wow all right but that's james whale for you he Mm -hmm. just had fun with dark humor and everything um yeah so that's our refusal roll aaron coming at a solid five and me coming at a generous eight but yeah this is definitely your time to uh duck out if you don't want to get spoiled about the ending of the film and all that good stuff because we're uh jumping right in baby so uh aaron take it away with that first spoiler um Man, how about him beating the beating the sheriff to death? Oh my <laughs> god! Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it started out, that's like a perfect example of like how funny some of the violence in this movie is portrayed, and then like you realize, oh, that that had a consequence. Because like in the beginning of that, they're just he's like, well, this is a hoax. I'm ready to declare that nobody should pay attention to the invisible man and then he like splashes some ink on his face and it's like oh haha he's messing with them (laughs) and then he just beats him to death with a stool just kills the sheriff and everyone was like all right like what a funny joke that was so i can see why how mark hamill was like ah that the joker (laughs) i'm gonna take inspiration from this this guy's having a great time just killing people oh my gosh i i love that scene too because whenever that scene takes place it basically is focusing on uh dr griffin telling um telling uh kemp basically like I need to go back to that hotel and get my books mm-hmm. and you're going to help me. Right. And you know, you think it's like a covert mission. Cause like he sneaks in sneakily through the door and they think like it's a kid's opening in a door and everything. Mm-hmm. And so he has a successful stealth mission, right. like 100% made it through. And so you think like, okay, that's it. You know, he's just going to leave and that's it. But like you mentioned, he starts screwing um, with the sheriff who says like, well, there's no invisible man here. Now let me sign off on this report and then you know the ink bottle starts swilling around and it splashes in his face and like you mentioned you're thinking like oh it's a gag he's not going to say anything but then he just starts tossing glasses and then everybody's freaking out it's chaos and then he's choking this man to death then beating his face in with a stool (laughs) it's just so and he's just like you think there's no invisible man do you (laughs) like it's just like yeah he's just and he kills the dude He, he straight up kills the dude because they show him like taking his body out with like a blanket draped over like mm-hmm. it's just very like wow yeah okay because like again if you were like giga brain you would go the stealthy way but no he wants that level of infamy he wants people to know right it's him doing all this chaos and everything because they <laughs> the exposition ha- they have behind it is like people believe that there's a gas and makes people hallucinate an invisible man running around mm-hmm. you know because it's like in this quaint little village and everything and that wouldn't be the first mm-hmm. time that there was mass hysteria especially in that era mm-hmm. but so like a lot of things you know salem wish trials were going uh, mass hysteria where everybody believed there were witches in the village you know so 
I thought that was a neat little detail of how they justified it. They're like, yeah, there's a lot of reports of this, but there must be people going insane because there's no such thing as an invisible man. And then later on, the radio has to be like, turns out we've confirmed the reports. There's an invisible man and also lock your windows and your doors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I did think it was nice how they showed all the townspeople preparing for the Invisible Man, picking <laughs> up their mats and locking their doors and everything. But. Dude, everybody was just like straight up terrified. It it was pretty dadgum great. And, and everybody was really bad in mm-hmm. catching him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny too because like the him killing the police chief, that's mm-hmm. like the, really the first thing he's done that's just true. <laughs> Was that well, the first murder? That's the first murder that yeah. happens. Granted, he he did knock over a baby carriage. That's just true. When he was terrorizing the town, he was like, yeah, yeah. In between, like throwing somebody's hat in a river and like taking somebody's bike, yeah, he just knocks over a baby carriage, and you like see the baby, the bundle that you <laughs> yeah. assume is the baby fall out. Like Jesus, did he just kill a baby? I don't know. Yeah, the levels of like violence and tricks he does is like going from zero to like eight yeah you know there because like he even just well, one of the biggest things he does is he derails a train no oh my they, gosh they that's s- even later they say yeah. later that he's like that we're like yeah he killed a hundred people on that train <laughs> like, Jesus. that was one of the moments like that i'm just like oh my gosh because you even hear screaming and everything right. it's not just the train crashing it's like crashing it screaming still, fire the way it was cut was still so goofy you could tell it's a model train, you know, and like, and if it goes <clears> off the track, and the whole time I was thinking, like, why do they have a lever that just turns the train off the mountain? <laughs> <laughs> like, here's the track that goes straight off the mountain, you know? Oh, it's so good. And I think what happens before, that's him, like, taking the tray of money from the bank, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like little petty thief, and he's just like, well, yeah, well, he hey. takes the train, then he just, yeah, he throws it for everybody to get. Yeah. It's just crazy transitions like that, that it's like, okay, this is like just petty theft you know him just sprinkling money out mm-hmm. and him just saying here you go here's a gift from the invisible man yeah. <laughs> you know doing mm-hmm. that and then he drops a tray and then he's like derailing a tray killing a hundred people yeah. <laughs> robin hood to terrorism <laughs> like real quick yeah it's just it's cr- it, but it also just makes it funny that he he's not just one note he's doing stupid little petty things like especially whenever mm-hmm. he, he screws around uh, um, with the people because like he first scares uh the people that are going up to the room mm-hmm. uh this is the first reveal which mind you i think it's a great reveal whenever yeah. he first shows like him like being invisible and everything the mm-hmm. rap they did especially um but then it scares them and they're like no 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 we have to go back up there and deal with it before he gets all this clothes off yeah yeah and then he's just like this shirt running around on the chair <laughs> going ha <laughs> And it's like literally just like a Benny Hill chase. Like they're chasing around the chair. And then he like takes the shirt off. And then it's like, oh, he jumped out the window. He's like, you think I would jump out the window like a petty criminal? I'll choke you. I'll kill you. And he's like. (laughs) Yeah. And then he just like walks straight out again. And it's just, again, causing that mayhem as, you know, whether it's tossing a hat in a river, throwing bikes, beating people with brooms, or yeah. tossing babies. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's just crazy stuff like that. But the whole town, I like, Frankenstein's mom was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get that monster. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this is like, hold my beer. They have, they even said, like, oh, the plan's to get thousands, then tens of thousands in mm-hmm. order to stop him from causing this mayhem. Just so crazy, because they could have just been stopped if they just, like, went forward instead of backwards anytime he touched them you know <laughs> yeah they were really bad like this whole room full of police officers he somehow manages to like squeeze between them to splash the ink on the guy and slap him around <laughs> and then he's just choking the guy like if he's choking you you know where he is you know what i mean why, why is nobody getting the mafia why is nobody like be, every, just as soon as he arrives and does anything they just flee like cockroaches they're like ah! <laughs> yeah it's it's funny how quick like even though the the police force does adopt new techniques and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's clever. As soon as he appears, the plan goes out the window, apparently. Because right, right. they have this whole great scene where Kemp's called, uh, first he called uh, Dr. Cranley, who's just like, you know, Jack's here in the house. You gotta save me. <laughs> you gotta save me real quick. He's gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, no. If I go now, he'll get suspicious, right. you know. 
Uh, and he, no, so, no yeah, and so then he's like, oh, fine. And so he, then he calls the police because he just can't wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whenever uh, they get to the house and everything, I, I, I do have to say I do love the back and forth there. Like whenever um, uh, Jack starts questioning uh, Kemp basically, like, why are you down here? Why did you have the door locked? He's like, huh, I couldn't go to bed and everything. And I was scared. Would you be scared if you were in my position? He's like, I'm your friend, your partner. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as uh, Dr. Cranley and Flora pull up, he's like, mm, I see you called the police on me. Did you? He's like, no, no, I swear I didn't. Look, it's Dr. Cranley. He's like, oh, Flora. And so then he's back. But then as he's talking to Flora, um, which I do like a ton, um, and I'll talk about that. They show, like, the police linking arms as they're shrinking right. around the house. Yeah, you can't break through this in penetral defense. <laughs> but then as soon as he's like, oh, he tossed me hat off. Yeah. Oh, he got me nose. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other person's pulling like, oh, he's got me legs. And then he's swinging around in a circle. Yeah. The policemen are just scrambling. He does a so long gay Bowser to the guy. <laughs> he does! He just grabs him by the pants and swings him around. So long, gay Bowser! And then he steals the he pants. He steals his pants and, and runs off, yeah. And he chases a woman down the street wearing the pants. Yeah. So you just see a pair of pants as he's, uh, again, singing a little song. If I lived in the universe where the policemen were just that level of incompetent, I mean... Man, if he tried that in America, they just would have started shooting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> I don't care. Start shooting. He's just, Light up the house. Shoot first. Uh, then maybe ask questions later. <laughs> Deny questions later. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so they do that, and then they have techniques of like, okay, we're going to hold the net like this and move. Yeah, right. Because then he'll get caught. And then they have, like, paint guns. Right. <laughs> um, uh, just... and, and loose dirt on the wall so they'll know if he tries to climb it, you know. Yeah, they develop new techniques there. Um, and then, obviously, towards the end of the film, that's whenever they have the final technique that's a surefire way to uh, get them. But mm-hmm. before getting to the overall ending, because I feel like there is some things to unpack there, oh, yeah. uh, just so I don't forget. I will say I do appreciate that Flora does get a moment to uh, talk with him mm-hmm. because he just kind of you get to see a different side of him because he you could tell he still loves Flora, which is actually kind of nice to see a different side like it's not completely one note there now granted it's not super deep the uh, level of talk but you can at least see that he's still even in the madness mindset he's in he still loves flora a ton because he's just like i was penniless whenever you found me but soon i'll be rich and famous mm-hmm. and i'll be able to give you everything you want you know doing that which i do feel like it's uh, for me the way I interpret it is half true. He thinks that, but it's also he's doing it for his own ego mm-hmm. there for sure, which I think is a great character moment. So I definitely appreciate James Whale having a breather moment there because there definitely is some moments, especially while talking, where you're like, okay, it's a little, it's, yeah. a, it's a little slow, a little mm-hmm. quiet. Let's it's get back to heavy right now. Cl- Claude Rains as the Invisible Man, which again I do feel like there is plenty of him true. in. Mm-hmm. So. That because that definitely would have the film would have suffered if it wasn't for Claude's uh, shenanigans injected in yeah. basically, um, but yeah, um, I I do have to say I love the adamance of Kemp whenever you, I I do love the threat uh, that uh, Jack does to Kemp like as soon as he sees the mm-hmm. police out and he's like. Thank you for opening the window and know this by 10 p.m. tomorrow, you will be dead. Right. You can count on that. And so he's like bitching like straight 10 p.m. And it's that's a pretty daggum strong threat, especially with how precise the time is and everything. Mm-hmm. And whenever they're talking about it, it's like, it's okay. We'll have you well guarded and everything. He's like, no, no, no. You'll be able to get through. I can tell you that. I need to get out of here mm-hmm. and everything. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think you'll be fine. I think you're overreacting. He's like, no, 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 no. I know him. He's going to get to me and everything. He's like, all right, fine. We'll escort you to police station surrounded by police covered in a net. Mm-hmm. Move to the police station. Disguise yourself as a policeman. Take you back to the house so you could drive in the car away and away. Which, again, he's like, 
I'm going to go to the mountains where nobody can find me. Mm -hmm. He's just so adamant about just leaving and getting the heck out of there, which um, I can believe, but also at the same point, it he should know that he's going to find out. Right, right. And he will find you. Right. Because um, Jack seemed 112% confident that, um, which by the way, I just realized his name's Jack and the uh, love interest Flora plays Rose. <laughs> like Titanic. Yes, anyways, I don't know how intentional that is, but I just had a sudden realization moment. That's funny. Um, but I do love the reveal of like he does all that and you even have a moment where um again <laughs> um the invisible man he here sees can't believe he's like, hmm, think you're so clever, huh? <laughs> and then you don't know what he does because again, they're trying to look out for him, but there's no sign unfortunately the only thing that kicked earth off was that white cat which uh then is shown covered in spray paint which i'm just like i hope that was done somewhat ethically (laughs) they they, it's the 30s they probably just spray painted a cat (laughs) yeah and threw the rest of the litter in a bag into the river oh jesus (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh aaron I'm just imagining the most likely scenario for 30s Hollywood. I mean, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I do, but I do ha- love that reveal and everything. Whenever Kemp is like driving in the mountainside and everything, he's like, huh, well, it's 10 o'clock and you're not here. He's like, oh, I wouldn't believe that. You know, <laughs> Just... your whole plan was foiled by me following you slightly closely behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. It's just like, <laughs> just the easiest way of like, yeah. how'd you know? I was fine. I literally just walked behind you. You guys didn't notice. I'm invisible. It's so, it's so funny. yet so like clever at the same time. Like it's stupid clever. And I love how he explains every part of it too. He was like, I walked behind you and watched you change to the police uniform and then hitched a ride on the buggy that dropped you off or whatever. And it's like, yeah, we get it. You're just like, I was following you, man. (laughs) Yeah. And I do like, he's like, now I've been freezing to death because of you. <laughs> and so then he manages to drag him out of the car by the scarf and tie him up. Mm-hmm. And I do love Kemp being like, please, I'll do anything you want, Jack. Please, please, just untie me from these bonds. He's like, yes, you will do as I say. You're going to go right down that hill through the railing and crash into that boulder. <laughs> and so I do love the fact that whenever he slams the door there, it's quiet. So you think it's just going to be a silent car crash. But as soon as it goes over the railing, they bring back that cackling. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh, howdy, what a car wreck that is. It's just yeah. a melee first impact explodes into flames, toss rumble into a fiery wreckage mm-hmm. pile at the bottom. It's it's a good car wreck. I would have been pretty sad because I'm sure they didn't get to do a lot of takes on that. So I would have been pretty satisfied if I was behind the camera, like, oh yeah, that was a good car explosion. Yeah, the the, the, the like that in the train. I was like, that was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty good. Well shot, man. Everything's perfectly framed and everything. It just looks good. I mean, obviously, you know how it's done, but it still looks really good mm-hmm. and believable. Um, but I do like, towards the end of the film, like how he's inevitably caught. Uh, where, again, he's like, you know, in the mountainside and he decides to uh, sleep in a little hay barn and the farmer happens to see him or notice something's Should in the hay bale. with his honk shoe honk shoe ass snore right? yeah. <laughs> i i love the term honk ass <laughs> <laughs> one of those. um and i i do I, and they do bring it up early in the film about like the invisible man's like say like they add mythos to the character of like oh what happens if he eats something and he's like well, the food is still seeable in my mm-hmm. stomach, so I can't go whenever yeah. I have a meal. And I do remember those details from the book, so I, I mm-hmm. think it's really interesting they wove them into the movie, because he was like, if I'm in a city with too much smog, soot will make an outline on me. You know, if I'm in the rain, they can see me. If I'm in fog, then... So he has all these weaknesses, despite the fact that he thinks he's, like, this superior life form now. But... Mm-hmm. And uh, the snow ends up being, like, an idea the police chiefs have, where it's like, oh, hey, this might be the best chance to try to look for him because we'll be able to see his footprints clear as day. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, coincidentally, the farmer comes up and says, like, the Invisible Man, he's in the barn. And uh, 
holy cow, they have a whole army and a half surrounding yeah. this barn. And then they set it on fire. And uh, whenever they're trying to smoke them out, which, I mean, makes sense and everything. But they are doing the arm linking thing again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it was just fortunate that um he the way he walked out he just walked in a straight line mm-hmm. <laughs> even though the guy was holding a gun at him right so uh that that part was definitely like uh yeah i guess this was a moment of like well we got to wrap up shooting soon right <laughs> so because it was pretty definitive like pretty much like <laughs> yeah and then like, he falls over yeah it would have made more sense but maybe not been as cinematic or whatever if like they just had guns trained because they said it was the only one exit was the door. Yes. They just had guns trained on the door, and as soon as it blew open, they were just like, bam, 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 bam. and then you see like a couple staggering footsteps, and then him fall or something would be. I think that would have been better. Yeah. I, I definitely would have agreed with that, but I guess because they, they set it up like he's so slippery and so hard to catch, and yet, yeah, just one guy with a gun got him. Like, <laughs> yeah, one guy aiming in a straight line as he walked in a straight line. Right. Um. But that being said still cool to see like the footprints appear in the snow and everything how well Mm -hmm. it was done and then the body falling over seeing that uh it was cool but it was definitely like plot wise like it's pretty silly i think there's a lot you could do with the plot that would maybe oomph up the storytelling aspect a little Mm -hmm. bit like what if he does manage to escape that and he runs back to his lover and his lover is the one that kills him or whatever like because uh Mm because he finds out how crazy he is or you know or what Mm -hmm. if what if Kemp was actually the bait the whole time and because he knew that they'd follow him into the mountains and then Kemp kills him or whatever. You know, like, just anything, man. Um, but, no, he was in a barn and then they shot him with a gun. But Yeah, um, you do at least get the final scene whenever he's on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I do like whenever Dr. Cranley asks the doctor, it's like, well, can't you help him? He's like, I can't see what I'm looking at. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just straight up, like, I can't see anything. Mm-hmm. But I do love how the doctor just somehow knows, even though this is, like, experimental technology. He's like, oh, yeah, when he dies, he'll slowly fade back into normal. Yeah. As the drug wears off. I guess he read that German journal, too. Right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do, like, again, it's, like, the l- last bit of, like, sanity, I guess, of uh, Dr. Griffin calling out for Flora as uh, she appears. I, I don't, I'll, although I do love that the Doctor already knows it's going to be gruesome, apparently, mm-hmm. whenever he turns visible mm-hmm. and everything. So, I'm, I'm curious on how shocking it was to see him turn visible, because, like, whenever he dies, you see the skeleton appear, then, like, muscle tones and everything, mm-hmm. and then inevitably his face, which... You know, I, I do think is a good ending, like seeing the Invisible Man turn visible. Mm-hmm. It's just the steps that took there. Like, from the point, like, after he kills Kemp to turning visible, I think it was just one of those things of, we don't have time for this. We gotta speed right, up. Right, right, yeah. Let's get it going. And they, they kind of give him a line, too, that, like, cements what's supposedly the message of the movie but like it wasn't really a great through line throughout the rest of the movie so it didn't have that much oomph to me but they tell me he's like i meddled in things man shouldn't or whatever yeah and and then dies which is a throwback to like whenever camp in the beginning is like he's meddling with things that man shouldn't or whatever yeah frankenstein definitely did it better (laughs) exactly Yeah, yeah yeah which is you know it's definitely like i try not to compare films to other films but whenever it has similar themes and everything it's kind of hard to not compare and everything but again i feel like ultimately this film was about more goofy fun dark stuff yeah than it was actually something very grounded and uh very impactful emotionally and everything um but yeah, it it's still it was still a fun romp. It's definitely one like I said, um definitely got a good laughs out of and just enjoyed watching. Like if you want a film that has early use of special effects, this is probably one of the prime candidates to study. Yeah, true. This is like a staple for special effects lovers, like people that are interested in it, mm-hmm. especially in a time era like before CGI took over and everything. Right, any sort of digital involvement, yeah. Yeah, you know, which again, like it, it's, I, I know I like boast practical effects to the mm-hmm. nth degree there. 
Um, but seriously, this is like some of the best effects I've seen in a film this early on. Right, right. So Which if, I feel mm-hmm. like anybody with After Effects and a little bit of knowledge in 2023 can make the effects that they were making as far as the oh for sure i mean it's like not i'm not saying we're not saying it's impressive by today's standards but it's impressive by like if you tried to replicate it the way they did it it's that's got to be extremely difficult (laughs) yes and so i think that's um one of the biggest reasons um people should um respect this film again mostly for technical merits than actual uh written merits and everything else so um yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much the most of it there. It's pretty, like, short, sweet, to the point there. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts, tidbits, uh, critiques, praises, anything like that? I don't think so, man. <clears throat> I just, I really wish that uh, while he was doing all that mischief, man, he, d- he did a couple more just funny, funny things. I want to see him just, like spank somebody in the middle of sex i don't know <laughs> i think he Was did spank one of the police officers uh, he, he, he definitely slapped somebody around yeah. it's just i want him to put on a, a sheet and go "Ooh, i'm a ghost and haunt some people like if you're getting silly with it i wish they got extra silly with it yeah who knows maybe in the mini sequels they did True. they did create a uh, mini sequels many invisible mans yes min- sure there's there's a lot to uncover and i do got to give it props because like i think this is the only like invisible person intellectual property i can think of that's not superhero-y so that's cool yes definitely cool to kind of see him more you know in a horror sense as opposed to superhero sense so yeah i'm definitely curious about like watching the other films and just seeing kind of uh how they compared to this one there Mm -hmm. especially effects wise and just kind of story wise there but uh that's uh for another time of day, I suppose. Yes. yes. Uh, so, how's about we uh, look at the uh, next episode we're going to be uh, reviewing here on the podcast. This film is the first adaptation from the book, but we've reviewed the second adaptation from the book on the podcast. Oh. Yeah, the book was called Who Goes There? Mm-hmm. And then... This film came out in 51, then the other film came out in 83, I want to say, which oh. had Kurt Russell in it. Okay, so The Thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and the uh, I don't title. Know. I don't know what the title of this one would be. Well, it's all good. Um, you could say The Alien Came From... Another World? Yes. The Thing From Another Planet, or whatever. Yep, you, you almost got it, buddy. The thing yes. From Another World. Yes, it's uh, The Thing From The Other World. I'm sorry uh, I made that way more difficult than what I... No, that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be uh, checking that one out. Figured it'd be a good one with uh, all the snow coming in for the holidays yeah, okay. here. You know, just get into the frosty mood there. Yeah, do. So uh, yeah, that that'll be interesting to watch. So uh, th- yeah, well that's good. That's that's real good. That's that's real real swell, bud. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Really Excellent. So uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We'll see y'all again next time when we're popping and the scary with the thing from another world (laughs) that was not rehearsed (laughs) be sure to subscribe to our youtube Castbox, or itunes platforms to stay up to date when new episodes drop to see what aaron and i are up to check out our respective twitter accounts for me it is at colkirk va And for Aaron, it is at Animal Game Dev. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. We'll speak to you all again next time when we're popping the scary.